0: Hey boys and girls, welcome to the best podcast in the history of mankind, it's Monty's Rockcast, and now here's your host, Monty Colvin.
1: Hey, 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 it's Monty. Welcome to the Rockcast. This is awesome! So glad you could join me for episode 227. Today I'll be reading some top tens, I'll be playing some cool tunes, and I'll be answering some of your questions. All the same old stuff. And I think I'll just get it going right now with a question from James O. Hahn on Facebook. And James says, Hey, Monty. So, how's it going? What a crazy question! Oh, James, well, I'm glad you asked because there is so much going on, I can't begin to tell you. Uh, But I'm going to try. You see, things got really busy and kind of crazy back around January 10th. That was my wife's birthday, and Lindsay turned 38. And she was like, oh my God, I'm getting so old. And I said, "Uh, no, no, you're not. I can only dream about being that young. But at any rate, I wanted to do something nice for her, so I got up that morning and made this little collage. And I took some of my favorite pictures of her over the last 10 years, and I posted it on Facebook, and I wished her a happy birthday. Well, later that day, I get back on Facebook to see if anybody had commented on it, and uh, I start scrolling through my feed. And I run onto this post that says that Neil Pernt of Rush has died. And the first thing I thought was, oh, well, this has got to be a joke. But the very next post was, rest in peace, Neil Pernt. And I was like, wow, Neil Pernt really died. I didn't even know he was sick. I wonder what happened. And come to find out, yeah, he had cancer. And just like that, he was gone. And of course, like I've told you many times, I was a big fan of Rush early on in the 70s, and so uh, I was sad to hear that. However, I never did meet him, and so I didn't really know Neil Peart. I mean, I knew he was a great drummer, he'd influenced a lot of people, he wrote great lyrics, uh, you know, he was kind of a loner from what I understand, but that was about it. And so I was sorry to hear that, but he wasn't family, so you know, it wasn't like I was just devastated. But then I continued scrolling through my Facebook feed and I could not believe my eyes. Literally every single post was about Neil Pearn. And I kept scrolling and scrolling and it was like I was in some kind of bizarro world. It was like everybody on Facebook had been traumatized. And this just went on for days. And so I'm sorry if I was insensitive, but I had no idea he was so important to so many people. But I'll try and make it up to you later on in the show, but right now I'm going to continue on telling you what I've been up to. Because you see, a couple of months ago, Lindsay told me that instead of buying a bunch of presents for Christmas, she wanted to take the family on a vacation. And when I asked her what she had in mind, she told me that she wanted to fly me, her, and the kids to Florida to go to Disney World for a week. And I gotta be honest, when she told me this, all I could imagine in my mind was walking for hours around amusement parks and riding roller coasters and being trapped in a hotel for four days with the kids saying, Mom, 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 Mom. And so I told Lindsay right off the bat, uh, no, I hate this idea. But of course, she went ahead and planned it anyway. And uh, so we did fly out to Florida and went to Disney World. And after it was all said and done, I'm happy to report that I was completely right. It was uh, just like I thought it would be. (laughs) Yeah. However, uh, the weather out there was beautiful. It was like 80 degrees all week. And I'd never been to Disney World, and I found it quite incredible. I could not believe all the work that went into everything there, the attention to detail, the architecture, the technology was just amazing. And even though I've always hated roller coasters in the past, uh, there was a couple of rides there that I actually kind of enjoyed. I think it was on day three that we rode the Aerosmith Rock and Roll Roller Coaster. And, of course, there was this massive line, but uh, we finally get in there and go through these doors. And it looks like you're walking into a recording studio. And you look in there, and I guess it was a video, but you could swear to God that it was like Aerosmith was standing there talking to you. Wow! Yeah, it was that real. In fact, uh, it was so real that they didn't even allow Joey Kramer into the studio. (laughs) Ha! That's a joke. Yeah, just kidding. I don't get it! Anyway, they finally take us down to the roller coaster. And this whole time, I'm just getting really nervous. And I turn to Lindsay and I say, does this stuff ever make you nervous? And she's like, no. I'll be throwing my hands up in the air. Why, are you nervous? And I'm like, "Uh, yeah, uh, this stuff terrifies me. What a wimp! But we went ahead and uh, they strapped us in and that thing took off like a rocket. And it went into a dark cave and we went upside down. And the whole time you can hear Steven Tyler saying something to you in your left ear. And, uh, you know, he's saying stuff like loving a roller coaster. And he's laughing and I'm just wanting the whole thing to be over. And it probably only lasted about 90 seconds, but uh, it comes to a stop and we get out. And, of course, uh, Draven, the 12-year-old boy, thought it was awesome and just said, uh, Hey, can we do that again? And I'm just wobbling out of there and my hands are literally shaking. But we walked out of there and I thought, uh, you know, uh, that was actually kind of fun. I mean, for one thing, I'm alive. And uh, two, uh, you know, it could have been so much worse. How so? You know, like instead of hearing Love in a Roller Coaster, uh, I could have been hearing Ragdoll. Or Janie's Got a Gun, or Crazy, or one of the numerous uh, Aerosmith songs that I hate. That's a
2: brilliant point, is it not?
1: So I survived all the roller coasters, and uh, only a couple of them made me nauseous. But oh my god, the walking. Uh, Lindsay had one of these apps on her phone that counts your steps. And by the end of the week, we had close to 40 miles. Oh my god. Yeah, it was like we were exercising or something. It was terrible. But, uh, you know, you do a lot of things at Disney that you wouldn't ordinarily do in real life. Like one day we stood in line for about an hour to get our picture taken with Donald Duck and Goofy. Well, at least I think it was Goofy. Uh, He's the dog, right? No one really knows. But Goofy was actually pretty cool. I think he liked me. Uh, I got him to shoot the devil horns with me. Talk about weird. So that was pretty fun. And uh, we also went to Hollywood Studios and uh, saw all the Star Wars stuff. And what you gotta understand is, I could care less about Star Wars. I think I saw the first two movies and then that was it. So I didn't know what any of that stuff was, but uh, it was still kinda cool to see it. And oh my God, that place was just a sea of nerds.
2: Running around with their pocket protectors and their white short sleeve shirts.
1: Yeah, they were just geeking out on all that stuff. And I thought, you know, I'm here, I might as well just take a little survey. And so I walked all through Star Wars land and asked every single one of those nerds what their favorite band was. And here was the breakdown. 3,572 Star Wars fans told me their favorite band was Rush. 2,353 said Dream Theater. 279 said King's X. 12 people said Porcupine Tree. Seven of those nerds said Pink Floyd, two people said Weezer, and one guy said Hall & Oates. And on a side note, uh, not one single person there had even heard of Galactic Cowboys. Shocking. Yeah, I wasn't really surprised that we didn't make the list, but I did learn one thing. Nerds love Star Wars and Rush. Yeah! So I decided in honor of Neil Pern and for all you nerds out there who listen to my show, I'm gonna give you my top 10 Rush songs. Oh goody! Now like I said, I used to be a huge Rush fan. I started liking them when I was in high school. And it was mainly because they were real raw and they were like the heaviest band I'd ever heard back then. And I remember I ordered this Rush T-shirt, and it had the naked guy and the star on there. And my dad was like, "Uh, why is that guy naked? And I'm like, "Uh, I don't know, uh, because I didn't know. I actually didn't know what it meant, and I still don't, but uh, you know, I thought it was cool. And another reason why I wore it was because not a lot of my friends even knew who they were. And that made them even cooler. And I would sit in my bedroom and I'd listen to all the world's of stage and I'd hear Getty Lee scream his brains out. And I would fantasize about being able to play a guitar solo like Alex Lifeson. But as the years went by, Getty didn't scream as much and he started playing bass with his feet. And you got a bunch of keyboards and they cut their hair and you started hearing them on the radio all the time. But the final straw was one day when I was working at the sporting goods store, one of the guys that worked with me uh, came up and said, hey, I'm going to Rush. And I thought, uh, why would this guy be going to Rush? He's a total nerd. But I went ahead and played along, and I said, oh, yeah? And he said, yeah, my dad's taken me. And last time we saw him, they played for three hours, and they don't make any mistakes. And I just thought, oh, my God, it's over. And after I heard Tom Sawyer and Spirit of Radio about 9 billion times on the radio, I just kind of lost interest. But I still love their first 5 or 6 albums, and I composed this list for you. And it starts at number 10 with Finding My Way off their first album. It was just kind of a rock and roll song. Uh, It was a long way from the proggy stuff they eventually did, but I really liked it. Number nine is Beneath, Between, and Behind off Fly By Night. I'd actually kind of forgotten about this song, but when I went back and listened to it the other day, man, it rocked. is circumstances off of hemispheres some of you may be surprised at that choice but for me it was just a great song number seven is by tour and the snow dog off of fly by night but i also love the live version of that number six is also off of fly by night it's anthem number five is in the end off of all the world's a stage I love the live version. It had a lot of intensity, and uh, it's a ballad, but it punches you right in the face. Number four on my list of favorite Rush songs, it's Lakeside Park off of Caress Steel. Number three is Something for Nothing, and once again, I'm going to go with a live version. That song totally crushes my skull, and I kind of debated for a while as to whether this was going to be my number one, but it ends up at three. number two is 2112 uh, that was great on the album 2112 and it was also great on all the worlds of stage and i actually got to see him play the whole thing in 1978 on the farewell to kings tour aye, aye, aye. yeah i'm old and uh, that was a long time ago but it was a very memorable night
0: now he has a story to tell and what a story
1: so i just gotten out of high school, I was still living with my parents, and I hear on the radio that Rush is coming to Kansas City. Well, I lived about 100 miles from Kansas City, and my parents weren't about to let me drive there. But I bought a ticket anyway, and I finally found a couple of guys who I went to high school with who were going, and so they said I could ride along with them. Thing is, I didn't really know these guys very well at all. And they turned out to be a couple of stoners. And, uh, you know, I didn't do drugs at all, uh, but I was still like, hey, uh, it's a free ride, I'm going. So we get up there, and it was general admission. And uh, right before we went in, I said, hey, if I lose you, I'll just meet you in the lobby afterwards. And they're like, okay, dude. (laughs) And I get in there, and I find my way down to like the seventh row. It was amazing. And the show was great, and afterwards I go and meet them in the lobby, and uh, all of a sudden I realize that one of them is acting really bizarre. And I look at the other guy, and I'm like, what's up with him? And he says, "Uh, he took a purple Microdot. And I'm like, what's a purple Microdot? And he says, it's acid, man. And I'm thinking, oh, no. And uh, we get out to the parking lot, and uh, this guy starts trying to drive. And within minutes, he rear-ended somebody. And so I'm like, all right, I'm driving, even though I've never driven in the city before. And fortunately, somehow I got us home safely, but the whole way there, uh, I can hear these guys going, wow, man, we just saw Rush. All right. Anyway, that would bring me to my number one favorite Rush song of all time, which is Bastille Day. It was on Caress of Steel, but the first time I ever heard it was on All the Worlds a Stage. It opens that album and I was just like, oh my god, this is for me. So there you go, there's my list, but I also had some honorable mentions. I actually still kind of like Limelight, even though I've heard it way too much. I also like the song Subdivisions, and of course, who could forget the song Trees off of Hemispheres. There is
0: unrest in the forest, there is trouble with the trees. For the maples want more sunlight and the oaks ignore their pleas. Hey! The trouble with the maples, and they're quite convinced they're right. They say the oaks are just too lofty and they grab up all the light. But the oaks can't help their feelings if they dig the way they're made. And they wonder why the maples can't be happy in their shade There is trouble in the forest and the creatures all have fled As the maples scream oppression and the oaks just shake their head Be-doo-ba-boo. Scooby and Scrappy Doo. Hey, what's the matter, you? So the maples formed a union and demanded equal rights. The oaks are just too greedy. We will make them give us life. Now there's no moral oppression. They passed the noble law And the trees are all kept equal By hatchet, axe, and saw so,
1: Okay, I think I played the wrong version of that song uh, I'm pretty sure that was Richard Cheese Not Rush So I apologize Mistakes will happen Okay, I think I'll read another email And this one comes from Dan the Man Cunningham And Dan says, hey, Monty, how are you?
0: I cannot wait to hear his answer to that one.
1: Oh, well, thanks for asking, Dan. Uh, Man, I tell you, it's been crazy here lately. My stepson Draven just turned 13. And, you know, when I was that age, you know, uh, I got maybe a card from my parents and uh, maybe a cake. But Lindsay has spoiled the kids so completely rotten that she thinks it has to be like a two-week celebration. Week one is where they get to pick what we eat for dinner or we'll take them out to eat usually. And they'll get a cake. And they also get some kind of present or presents. And of course, as I've told you before, the boy is completely obsessed with video games. He stays in his room, and he rarely comes out. And he plays those games from morning until night. And I've talked to Lindsay, and I've told her, you know, he spends way too much time on those games. He needs to do some other things, broaden his horizons, he needs to go outside, or something else. And she agreed. And that's why I was confused and perplexed when she went and bought the boy for his birthday a gaming chair. Oh, a course. Of COURSE! That's right, if you want somebody to cut back on their obsession, give them something that will actually make them more comfortable doing whatever they're obsessed with. Well yeah. So the boy is all set now, Uh, he can just pretty much lay down while he plays video games. But of course that was just week one, Uh, the following weekend was the party. And this year Lindsay decided that the party would be at a hotel where she rented a couple of rooms. We would be in one room, and Draven and three of his friends would be in the other. And I thought, well, you know, they are teenagers now. They're 13, and maybe they won't be quite as obnoxious as they were when they were like, you know, 10. But no, uh, turns out they're just as annoying. They were running up and down the halls, yelling at each other at the top of their lungs, And when I went in their room the next morning before we checked out, that place was trashed. I mean, it looked like Motley Crue, Poison, and The Who had stayed in there the night before. So I'm sure the maids hated us, and uh, we will probably never be allowed to go back to that hotel ever again. But the little guys had a good time, and I guess that's all that matters. The whole thing rather precious. Something else that was very monumental in my life here lately was the Super Bowl. And before I tell you about the game itself, let me give you a little background on me and the Kansas City Chiefs. Some would say, oh no! You see, for me, it all started 50 years ago in Phoenix, Arizona, when I was 10 years old. And at that time, Phoenix didn't have a football team. And so I chose the Minnesota Vikings as my favorite team. I liked their uniform, I liked their players, and that year they went to the Super Bowl to play the Chiefs. Well, I just assumed the Vikings would win, but no, they did not. The Chiefs beat them, and I cried. But it wouldn't be the last time. The Vikings would lose three other Super Bowls before me and my parents would eventually move to Missouri. And in 1975, I started rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. And year after year, they would lose and they would disappoint me. There was that season we had Joe Montana and went to the championship game, and we lost. There were other years where the Chiefs would be 13-3 and during the regular season, and they would lose in the playoffs every time. And so I got used to disappointment, and I never thought in my lifetime I would see them in a Super Bowl. But then it happened. The Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. And instead of choking like they always had in the past, the Chiefs finally broke through and got to the Super Bowl. And I thought, you know, even if they lose, I'm going to be kind of okay with it because at least they made it to the game. And for two weeks before the Super Bowl, I mean, Kansas City was just a buzz. Everybody was dressed in red and they had on their Chiefs gear. And I was just so excited, uh, even though my wife Lindsay uh, just couldn't have been less excited. She cares nothing about football, and I went up to her uh, a few days before the game and I said, uh, Hey, uh, would you want to watch the Super Bowl with me Sunday? And she hesitated and went, "Uh, Well, I mean, I'm not going to go anywhere. And I said, no, no, you don't have to go anywhere. I just mean, uh, like, uh, would you watch it on TV with me? And she said, "Um, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, I guess I could make some snacks. And I said, well, all right then. And the day finally got there, and I got my Patrick Mahomes autographed jersey on, and I started eating chips and cheese dip. And at halftime, it was 10 to 10, and I was pretty happy. And then halftime happened. I mean, I guess we should be used to it by now, right? I mean, you know there's going to be lip syncing and about a thousand dancers on stage, but you can't do any better than J-Lo. I mean, if the halftime entertainment at the Super Bowl has got to be strippers simulating sex... Let's get some real professionals. Like, you know, maybe some porn stars or something. Yeah. Something else I didn't like were the commercials. Maybe it was just me, but I thought they were dumb. I did like the one with Brian Cranston breaking through the door like it was The Shining, but that was about it. But I don't watch the Super Bowl for the commercials or for the halftime. I watch it for the game. And when the second half started, I started getting depressed because the Chiefs were not playing well, especially Patrick Mahomes. And I just kept saying, uh, he just doesn't seem right. You know, he just uh, seems nervous. And of course, I was saying that to myself because Lindsay was either on her phone, her computer, or making food and paying no attention to the game whatsoever. But I kept watching anyway, and uh, in the fourth quarter, things did not look promising. But miraculously, the Chiefs started coming back. And that's when I started screaming and scaring everyone in the house, including the cats. And for the first time in 50 years, my team actually won a Super Bowl.
3: Of miracles has
1: come! Yeah, the neighbors were setting off fireworks, the whole town was going crazy, and I thought about my dad and wished he was alive to see it. Of course, it would all be short lived because the next day all the talk was not about how the Chiefs were incredible for coming back, but instead it was about how the 49ers blew that game and what an idiot the president is for thinking that the Chiefs are located in Kansas. But apparently there must be a lot of idiots out there, because I can't tell you how many times I've been asked how things are in Kansas, and I have to tell them I live in Missouri. And here's the deal, there's a Kansas City, Missouri, and there's a Kansas City, Kansas. And they're just separated by a borderline. And two or three times a week, I will actually leave Missouri and go into Kansas and not even realize it. And maybe that's why most of the bands who play here end up saying, How's it going, Kansas? It's good to be here in Kansas. And no one really says anything, and no one really cares, unless it's Trump. And then it's a big deal. And I started seeing the memes on Facebook. And there was this one that caught my attention. It was a picture of the band Kansas, and it had underneath them Missouri. Nothing less than hilarious. Yeah, I found that just hysterical. Not! But the thing is, is there actually was a band called Missouri back in the late 70s. They were never as good as the band Kansas, and they were never as big. But I did see them one year open for Ted Nugent back then, and uh, they had some pretty good songs. They were kind of a southern rock thing, and the local Kansas City stations would play this song all the time. anybody else remember that song Uh, maybe it was just a kansas city thing at any rate that was one of the first guitar solos i ever learned when i was uh first starting out but that was missouri the band not kansas thanks for the news flash all right how about i do a little questions from facebook these are questions that i find on facebook and i answer them here on my podcast and here's one about concerts that had multiple questions And I'll just take them one by one. Uh, The first one was, what was your first concert? And technically, that was probably when I was a kid, my folks took me to the Oak Ridge Boys. It was way before Elvira and they became country stars. They were actually a gospel quartet group. But my first rock concert was Head East. I was in high school and I took a bus to Springfield, Missouri and saw it with my cousin. And I didn't really know much about him at the time, but it was a good show. I had a great time. But years later, their singer, uh, John Schlitt, ended up being the singer for this Christian band, Petra. And one year when I was on tour with Galactic Cowboys, I ran into him in Germany of all places and I said, hey... I saw you back in, like, 77, and that was my first concert. And he said, uh, wow, how about that? Fascinating. Yeah, I'm sure he was thrilled. But uh, anyway, moving on, uh, the next one is Best Concert. And that would be Rammstein. I saw him uh, outside at a stadium a couple years ago. It was just spectacular. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Next one is, what's the worst concert you've ever been to? And I will say the Meat Puppets. They were a band that Kurt Cobain really liked and uh, Nirvana even covered one of their songs. But when I saw them, I thought they were horrible and I just left. Bummer. Next is, what was the loudest concert you've ever been to? And that's hard to say, but I will go with uh, Molly Hatchett. Who the hell is she? I saw them when I was in college, and it was so loud that the girl that I took to that show, uh, she left.
0: What a nice lady.
1: The next question is, what's the last concert you went to? And that was Trans-Siberian Orchestra. What's the next concert you're going to? Well, I'm not sure yet. I'd like to go see Devin Townsend in March, but I haven't decided on that yet. But if that doesn't happen, Lindsay and I are talking about flying out to L.A., I think it's in May, and seeing System of a Down, Korn, uh, Helmet, and Faith No More. But if that doesn't happen, the next concert that we definitely have tickets for already is Robstein in Chicago. It's a ways off, but it's at Soldier Field, and I've never been there, and it's going to be great. Brutal! And finally on this one, it's what band or artist do you wish you could have seen in concert? Well, there's several, but number one would have been Thin Lizzy when Phil Lynott was still alive. I also never got to see Queen with Freddie Mercury. And I really wish I could have seen Rory Gallagher. Never got to see him. Who is that? Alright, the next thing I'm going to do is completely crazy and very daring on my part. But I'm going to take two questions from Facebook and put them together. Because they're both from the same guy. This is from Jeff Allen on Facebook, a good friend of mine, and an avid listener of the Rockcast. And Jeff's questions are... Who was the hottest chick of the 80s, and who do you think is the sexiest woman on the planet?
0: Well, you have my attention now.
1: Okay, wow, the 80s. Well, that was a good decade. You had Susanna Hoffs from the Bengals. You had Cindy Crawford and uh, Samantha Fox. But my favorite was probably uh, Diane Parkinson from uh, The Price is Right. If you're over 40 or 50, you probably know who I'm talking about. But who is the hottest woman on the planet now? Well, there's a lot of attractive women out there, you know, Jennifer Aniston, Selena Gomez. But if you're talking just smoldering hot sexiness, I gotta go with my wife, Hot Lindsay. And you may think I'm just saying that and then I'm full of crap. Yes. But I honestly feel that way. Around 10 years ago when I met her, I told her straight up. I said, uh, you are the sexiest woman on earth. And she said, wow, that's a big statement. And I said, well, I mean it. And 10 years later, I still mean it.
0: This guy needs help.
1: And you know, it's February. We got Valentine's Day. It's the month of love. How about I play a sappy love song? No, God, please, no, no. Oh. Well, how about I play, uh, you know, a chorus of a sappy love song? No! All right, then. Here's My Love by Paul McCartney for My Love, Lindsay. Okay, so I know that was a little bit sappy, and I apologize. And I know it's the month of love and all that crap, but this is the Rockcast, and so uh, it's time to get hateful. All right! So a little bit ago, I just talked about hot women that I like, and a hot woman that I love, but what about hot women that I hate? That's weird. I know it's weird, but yes, it's possible. And I have come up with a top 10 list of beautiful women that I cannot stand. Now this is interesting stuff. And my list begins at number 10 with Alyssa Milano. She's really good looking, but way too political. She's got a right to her own opinion, but most of her opinions are way too stupid. Welcome to dumbass land. Number nine is a strange one because it's Amy Schumer. And it's strange because there's times when I think, yeah, she's really hot. And then there's other times when I think, God, she's disgusting. Unattractive. There's times when I've thought she was really funny and other times where she's just a big mouth idiot. Don't give me this stuff about I'm moving out of the country if Trump wins the election if you're not going to do it. Blah, 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 blah. All of that's true. Number eight is Miley Cyrus. Something tells me that she could be the best five minutes of your life. Only problem is, you'd have to keep the bong out of her hands for longer than five minutes. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Number seven is Beyonce. I don't think she's hot, but everyone else seems to think so. Do you see those tree trunks for legs? Number six is Alicia Keys. If I have to see her on one more awards show, I'm going to kill myself. You should. Number five is Ariana Grande. There's no doubt that she's seriously attractive, but I have despised her for a long time now. She used to be on one of these Nickelodeon shows, and God, what a horrible actress. But little did I know at that time that she was also a singer, and I would grow to hate her music even more than her acting. You're mean. At number four, oh, wow, this is a surprise. Number four is that stuck-up bitch that works the front desk at my gym. So anything especially vicious or harsh about that? Yeah, she's cute, but, you know, every time I go in and have to show her my membership card, she gives me this look like, oh, God, you. All right, this is my job, so I guess I'll have to acknowledge you. And then on the way out, she gives me one of those, have a nice day. But I can tell she doesn't mean it. She doesn't care if I have a nice day or not. But guess what? I'm going home to a hot wife, so kiss my ass. Why the hate? Number three is Chanel West Coast. And if you don't know who she is, she's on this MTV show called Ridiculousness. And she's ridiculously hot. But all she does on the show is laugh. And when she laughs, it's one of the most annoying sounds I've ever heard, and I forget all about the fact that she's hot. (laughs) Number two is Jenny McCarthy, and she's one of those hot chicks that's been hot her whole life. She was hot 20 or 30 years ago when she was in Playboy and on MTV, and she's still really good looking. So why do I hate her? Because she not only tries to be funny, she thinks she's funny. And she's not. But she is hot. And that's why I hate to say it, but I hate her. You should be drug tested right now. And finally, at number one, it's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Also known as AOC. Oh yeah! And yes, I actually think she's really good looking. Has beautiful eyes. But the second she opens her mouth, I just can't stand her. She'd like to take away our meat, our guns, our planes, our cars, and pretty much all of our freedom. To which I say, hey, A-O-C-N-O. No thanks. Okay, so that's my list. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, But now it's time to wrap things up with some odds and ends. Oh, this is what I've been waiting for right here. All right, first up, uh, I got an email from John Huff in Canada. And John said, hey, Monty, I've been on a crunchy kick lately, and I thought I'd take a minute to tell you again how cool I think those records are. I know you've got loads of good reasons not to do another one, but I hope you do anyway. Well, thanks, John. Yeah, I'd like to record some more crunchy stuff someday, and I'd also like to play some more shows. But right now, it's all kind of on hold, but uh, if you'd like any of those albums, they're on my website, montycolvin.net. And if you don't need the actual physical CD, just send me a message. And I can email you the MP3s, and then if you want to make me a little donation or something, that'd be cool. Sending stuff to Europe is kind of expensive, and it saves me going to the post office and filling out all those forms. So let me know, and I'll hook you up with some Crunchy.
0: Are you shitting
3: me?
1: John Huff in Canada also wanted to know who my favorite XFL team was. And I gotta be honest, I don't have one. Kansas City doesn't have an XFL team that I'm aware of, so therefore I don't really care. However, I did check out a couple of games this weekend, and uh, you know, the XFL isn't that bad. I was kind of surprised. I mean, it is minor league football, but uh, you know, it still beats the hell out of the WNBA.
0: That's right there with watching soccer. (laughs)
1: And finally, Jim Lambert on Facebook messaged me and wanted to know what I thought of the Grammys. Uh, You know, Jim, I'm sorry, man, but I just couldn't do it this year. I even recorded it, but uh, when it came right down to it, I just couldn't make myself endure the punishment. Maybe next year I'll watch it so you don't have to, but uh, this year I just had to skip it. The whole thing stinks! Okay, well if you've got a question for me or a comment, uh, you can get a hold of me through Facebook or on my website, montycolvin.net. And please check out my other website, montycolvinart.com, and check out my paintings and let me know if you want me to do something special for you. I'm going to play you one last song that's one of my favorites right now. It's from Star Set off their album Vessels. And I know some people probably refer to Star set as a poor man's three days grace. But I prefer to think of them as a rich man's skillet. Huh? Just kidding. I like them a lot more than skillet. But they do kind of have that vibe. You couldn't have made a worse comparison. But that's going to do it for me for now. I will be back soon with more fun and mayhem. But until then, this has been Monty saying take care. Don't let anyone tell you what to like. Uh, unless it's me. And rock on. I lost
2: myself been.